Thank you. You can be seated. Unveil the goatee. Isn't it weird when you meet people for the first time and you don't realize what's under the mask? It's like, whoa, you're gray under there. Yeah. Actually, uh, thank you, President Hagen. That actually probably would be my first standing ovation. I don't know if they're legitimate when you ask someone to do it, but they certainly are nice. Um, so, so I won't rob him of that. So, hey, uh, you guys like fishing? Anyone? If, who likes fishing here? Not very many. A few. Yeah. Any ice fishing people here? Couple. I hate ice fishing. That's weird. I grew up fishing. I want to do a little fishing. We're going to go fishing. We're going we're gonna to be reading Luke 5. But before we talk about Luke 5 and going fishing, I want to tell you a, a fishing story. So growing up in Australia, we fished a lot. And that was kind of one of my, uh, my things growing up. Whenever we'd, we'd dry, we'd tra- I actually traveled around Australia for seven months in a camper trailer, right, with my family. And, and every time we pulled into these little towns, I'd run out and I'd, I'd see what's fish, what, what's cat, what are we catching, what's the bait we use, how do we do this. That was, that was my thing. I thought it was great. I think it was just my parents getting me away from the campsite so they could set up. But I thought I had a mission and, and I'd go figure out what, what's fishing. So I did a lot of fishing growing up. Uh, but one of the things that I, I didn't do a lot of but I was really intrigued by was net fishing. Uh, I've done set nets, which is where you drop a net and you put it straight out and you leave it out overnight and the fish swim by and they get tangled up in there and then you go and get the fish. I've done drop nets where you catch crabs. I've done uh, crayfish nets where you drop them and you get like a, a, a crayfish. And I've also done this thing called, well, we call it a sock net. I don't know what you call it over here, but it's where you have two poles you know, probably about as, as tall as that pole there. And, and another guy, if you can think of that speed, the, the microphone stand, and, and I'd have one here. And then there'd be this net between us, and it would go all the way back like a big sock, right? It's like a sock, and it, it's tied at the end. And, and we would go off to youth group uh, to a place called Canning River. It was a river. Rivers are not real fun places to fish in, but, but you do it. And you go in there, and, and you'd go, and you always had to do it at nighttime, and you'd get into the water. It was always cold because we would go prawning. Now, they don't call them shrimp. Chuck another shrimp on the bobby. Right? We don't. We call them prawns, right? That's probably the number one thing I was asked when I first got here. Hey, Australia, chuck another shrimp on the barbie, you know? It's like, so there you go. You kind of throw that out there. We call them prawns, right? Because shrimp are small. We have those two, but they're shrimps. They're small. Prawns are, are bigger. And we'd go prawning, and we'd use these sock nets. And, and the deal was you'd get into the river, and I always ended up, because I was the smallest guy, I think, I don't know, but I always had to be on this side, and that would be the shore. And, of course, it's not as deep over there. And you'd be up to your neck, and you had to hold this stick, and it had to drag, and you'd be walking through the mud, and you'd be feeling all the things on your legs and you know, and, and you'd go through and you'd drag this thing in the dark with a little headlamp, right? And that's how you knew if the other guy at the other end, if you didn't drown. Because if the headlamp went down, you're like, quick, pull it up, pull it up, right? So you watch the little headlamp and, and we'd draw it. And then you'd get to the end and you'd pull this thing up and everyone from youth group would be there and they'd haul this up and at the end you'd untie it and you'd pull it up and all these prawns would just, they just all go over the ground and you'd gather them all up in the bucket. It was awesome. Then we'd go home, we'd boil them up, we'd tip them on a big bunch of newspaper, and we'd just sit around and fellowship and eat fresh prawns. Now, some nights we'd go, more nights than not, and we would do this exercise, going through the mud, feeling the things crawling up through your legs, and oh, I don't know what that was, but we'll pretend I didn't feel it. And you'd pull it up on shore, and you'd dump out your magic catch, 
and it'd just be full of jellyfish. Now, jellyfish in our rivers were like dinner plate size, not like the ones on Finding Dory where they're jumping around on them, not that, like big, brown, gross, jello things. And you'd fill up this net, and you'd drop it, and there'd be nothing but, you know, goop in there. So you'd tie it up, and then you'd go back out, and you'd drag it around. More times than not, when we went out doing prawning, that's what we'd catch. And you can't eat jellyfish. At least we didn't. Fishing. Netting. I'm going to talk a little bit about Luke 5, a familiar, a familiar scripture. So if you've got it, and if you're taking notes, I'm going to have three points for you today. You don't have to take notes, but I like to, if you have three things you want to write down, I want you to take down my three things. But we're going to read this story that's found in, in Luke 5. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats. They were left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out, say put out, put out a little from the shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out, say put out, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the large catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled up their boats on the shore, left everything, and they followed him. So Lake Gennesaret, here's Jesus rolling in. Okay, Now, I don't know if you know anything about Lake Gennesaret, but it, it, anyone from Michigan here? Michigan people, when I came here, because I didn't know anything from Australia, people would hold their hand up, which I thought that was saying hello, but they were actually going to describe to me whereabouts in Michigan that they lived, right? I didn't, I didn't know that. And then people started doing it this way, if they were from Wisconsin, and it was like you used your hand. So I started doing like in Australia, like this, and I would do this, right? So I thought that's kind of how we communicated over here. Lake, Lake Michigan is, is 307 miles across by 118 miles. Right? And when I went here for a visit, they said, oh, going to Lake Michigan is like going to the beach. It's like going to the ocean. I'm like, it's nothing like going to the ocean. You can't see the other side. Like, okay, I went there one time. They actually put a temporary beach in parking lot E. It was just a big bunch of sand. I took a photo by it and sent it to my parents. Like, check out the beaches in America. They're in a parking lot. Right? But anyway, that's another story. Lake Michigan's big. It's 22,500 square miles of surface area. Lake Gennesaret, sometimes known as the Sea of Galilee, is 13 miles across by 8 miles wide. It covers 167 square miles. So if you think of Lake Michigan, it's nothing like Lake Michigan. Now, if you know where Lake Mille Lacs is, anyone know where Lake Mille Lacs is? Some people know where that is. Maybe you go fishing to walleye fish up there. Now, Lake Mille Lacs, that's 200 square miles of surface area. So it's not even as big as... Lake Malax, Lake, Lake Malax takes about an hour and a half to drive around it. So I just want to give you a picture. Of this it's not a very big lake. 
this, this time. Jesus is walking down there, and he's got all these people pressing in, and he says, you know what, I, I kind of feel an illustrative sermon coming on. And, uh, and he sees these guys cleaning their nets. Now, Peter's cleaning his nets, and this is where I'm thinking, like, man, this, I feel you, man. I feel you. You've been out all night, probably, probably not walking through the mud, but, you know, that was my connection. And he's cleaning it, and he's frustrated, and he's annoyed. And so the first thing I want to put down is this idea of put down. Say put down. Put down. Because Jesus says put down your nets because I am about to teach you something. Right? He says to Peter, put down your nets. And he gets into this boat, and Peter sits in. He says, I need you to put down your nets because I'm going to teach you something. Now, I don't know in your life how many times people, maybe your parents, maybe others, maybe your professors, hey, 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 put it down. Just put, put it, put it, put it down. Look up here. Look, look up here. Okay, yeah, put your phone down. Put it down. Put it down. There we go. Good work. Put it down. Now, look up here because I want to teach you something. Right? If you're a parent, you'll do that. What did I say? Okay, yep, yeah. Put, put, put all the way down. Put it down. Yeah, good. Good job. Put it down. Because I want to teach you something. I need your attention. Peter's sitting there cleaning his nets and being frustrated. And man, this is annoying. This is not what I plan to do. This is not where I want it to be. I'm focused on And then this guy comes along who's bringing all of these people in. They're probably like, look at those guys. They caught nothing all night. It's like, thanks for bringing the audience to show how much of a failure I am. And Jesus said, can you put that down for a second? Because I want to teach you something. Sometimes I think the Lord comes to us and says, I need you to put down what you were doing, what you think you were doing, what you think you're called to do, because I'm going to teach you something. So he gets in the boat, right? Now I thought about, well, what did he teach him in the boat? Now, I don't know this. I actually I sent a text uh, to Dr. Tennyson. I said, does this come up in any of your research? Because I get really scared when I do this preaching stuff and, and then say, I don't want to preach any heresy or anything. But it was fascinating because I'm like, well, what did Peter find out? Because he gets all mad at the end, right? He's like, I'm a sinful man. It's like, what did he say? What did he say? What did he teach him? If you go and look, and I don't know if this is a connection, but I just thought it's interesting, right? You go into Matthew 13. There's another scene there. Jesus is by a lake. And there's a crowd that's pushing in. And then Jesus gets into a boat. And I'm like, well, this sounds familiar. I've heard this story before. And he pushes out from the boat. And in Matthew 13, he teaches from the boat. Now, from the boat, he starts teaching the parable of the sower and the seed. And the seed that fell upon the rocky soil. You know, the one, you know, right? And the, the sun came down. And, and we, we, saw the, we saw it in God's spell just not so long ago, right? And, and that stuff, right? He teaches about this. And he also teaches about these this, these travelers, like well, these people that would find like a, a treasure in a, in a field. And it says, and if you find this treasure in the field, you sell everything you own, you go buy that field. Or, or a merchant that's looking for a pearl of great price, and you, you sell everything you have, and you go get that pearl of great price, right? And he, he's kind of, he's doing this. Now, what if that's the story that Peter's hearing in the boat? When you found what is right in front of you, and you don't know what you're supposed to do. Just keep that in mind. I don't know what he's teaching. It certainly is a change of perspective, though, because point two is... Put out. Say put out. Put out. Jesus says put out because I'm going to show you something. Now, let me tell you something about being put out. I hate being put out. Any of you guys like being put out? Because I don't like being put out. 
But you look in this, this verse, in this story, in order for the miracle to occur, Peter and his buddies had to be put out. Right? If you look through all of the miracles, you can find a theme that most of the miracles began with someone being put out. When God's about to do something in our life, sometimes we can feel put out. You're right. You got it. So we're doing this thing right now. Even if you look at it, like, like let's look back. You go into Luke 4, 27, right? We, we get a reference to a guy called Naaman. Now, Naaman is a guy that's talked about in 2 Kings 5. Naaman's that, the rich guy that goes to Elisha because he's got leprosy and he's his servant girl says, you should go talk to this man of God. He can heal you. And so he goes over there. He knocks on Elisha's door. He's going to get this healing. And Elisha sends out his servant and says, tell him to go dunk seven times in the gross Jordan River and see if he can catch some prawns while he's at it, right? Nasty river. And Naaman's like, who is this? This man of God, I come all the way with all these gifts, all of these things. I'm a very powerful man. And he won't even come and talk to me. How many times does someone not come and talk to you and you feel a little put out, right? And so he's like, forget you. I'm not going to do this. So then he goes, and then the Naaman servant says, hey, come on. How hard's this? It's not that hard. Just go have a little bath, man. You kind of bit on the nose anyway. I don't know. Like, just let's just try this. You can do a lot of different things, and you would have done it if it was big and meaningful. But yet something so simple because you feel put out. So Naaman goes and he dunks in the river, right? One down, dunk, nothing. (laughs) This is stupid. We could be halfway home by now, dunks a second time. I can't believe this guy has the tenacity to tell me to do this, right? Seventh, seventh time he comes up and he's healed. Peter gets put out and Jesus says to him, now put down your nets. And he says to him, Lord, I have fished all night and I have caught nothing and Jesus says to him I want you to put out to be put out and to take the very thing that is your point of frustration your point of disappointment your identity perhaps and I read this and I'm like and I want you to baptize it out there under my conditions and he puts this empty broken net into the water And it's filled with life. Filled with life. But it didn't happen until he put out. So my question to us today and to myself is always, am I willing to be put out for Jesus? Am I willing to be put out for Jesus? Because one of the the things that I think is through this passage that I, I want you to catch is when Jesus is getting ready to move and do something in your life, And he's getting ready to change your position. He's going to start with your perception. Then he's going to shift to your perspective. And then he's going to shift to your position. If you go into that Matthew 13, it says in there, it reminds us of Isaiah, and it says these are the people who are kind of, always seeing but never understanding, always hearing but not knowing what's going on, and a heart that is cold. And he goes, I, I, he's kind of talking about how in that day for those that will find me, the kingdom of heaven is like, it's like when you can see something, it's like perception. And when you hear something, 
something new. That's a new perspective. And then it says in there, and their hearts will be changed, and they will know and have an understanding in their hearts that they will turn. That's a new position. So he's out getting put out for Jesus. He catches this large catch of fish. And then he says, away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Why would that be? It's like, because I just heard you do this whole teaching about if you find something of great value, if you find something that is worth more than anything, sell all you have, gain it. Some of this seed is maybe falling upon rocking soil. Some of this is falling upon thorny ground. Some is upon, but some is falling upon the good soil, which produces a large harvest, a large catch. And Peter might have been sitting there like, I don't believe this guy. I don't know what it is. And now suddenly he realizes that he is standing in the very moment that Jesus is saying, the kingdom of God is like this. And he's like, man, I missed it. I missed it. Point number three. Jesus is going to ask you to put down. Jesus is going to ask you to put out. And Jesus is going to ask you to put up. Everyone say, put up. Put up. Because I am going to lead you to something. So when they come in, Jesus says to him, don't be afraid. I am now going to teach you to fish for men. And they put up their boats and they followed him. They put up their boats and they changed position. They began to move out in a different way. They began to follow Jesus and what he was asking them to do. As I reflected on this passage and, and want to share it with you as, as leaders and, and through this, this time in your journey, there are times when you think this is what you're called to do. You're a fisherman or a fisherwoman. You're going to do the net thing. And it's good, and I'm good at it, right? I'm good at fishing, and I know how to do the fishing piece, and I think this is what I'm supposed to do for the rest of my life. And then Jesus shows up. Maybe in a point of frustration. Interesting thing about Lake Gennesaret, people, it is the lowest freshwater lake in the world. You say, well, I thought the Dead Sea was that lowest point. Yeah, but that's saltwater, right? So freshwater. It's the lowest freshwater lake in the world. It's interesting that Jesus finds Peter at maybe a very low point in his life at the lowest point in the world. And he says, well, I got to i got to teach you something. I'm going to show you something. I'm going to lead you to something new. Right? And I don't know where we're at. We're at different places. But sometimes you can feel like you're at a pretty low place. Sometimes you feel like, I did this net. I did the thing. And it didn't work out for me. And I'm frustrated. I'm annoyed. I don't know what's going on. But Jesus wants to take that. And he wants to do something different with it. He wants you to give it to him and say, hey, Put out a little bit for me. Go somewhere where you don't know. I mean, think of every miracle. I tried to do this in my head. It's like the first miracle of Jesus turning water into wine, right? What did they ask him to do? Go get a bunch of jars and go fill them up with, well, not little, little jars, like these massive jars. <sighs> That's hard, right? Not like they just turned the tap on and stood there for a while until they filled up. They had to go get them to be put out, right? The woman who pressed forward to 
to touch Jesus' robe. Put out the, the centurion that runs to him and say, he was, he got to be put out. There's so many miracles that began with someone being put out. In fact, Elijah, you know, precepts to Elijah, he, he comes and he once meets a lady who's got some oil and she's going, I'm just going to collect some sticks and make some oil and I'm going to eat a bread cake and, and then I'm going to die. And Elijah says, I want you to make something for me first. I want you to put out. I want you to be put out so that the miracle can take place. So if you're in here today and you're feeling a little put out, I'm a little put out that this is not going the way that I plan for this fishing trip to go. I challenge you to be put out for Jesus. And when he asks you to put up the vessel that you think you're going to take over the world with because you're going to make a big fishing kingdom, I'm going to challenge you, you're willing to put up that vessel because Jesus is leading you to something new. Eighteen years ago, I walked into those doors right over there. It was in February. It was cold. I didn't know a soul. I knew a lady by the name of Wendy Wirtz because when I went to the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary, someone told me there's a lady there called Wendy Wirtz at a place called North Central. Like some of you had never heard of it. I showed up here. I actually took a different job at a treatment center. I couldn't shake this place. And uh, I called up and I said, I want to meet with a lady called Wendy Wirtz, who was the dean of community life at the time. And I sat down and I said, hey, I'm, I'm 24 years old. And I just graduated from the Assemblies of God Seminary. I've been working at a psychiatric hospital doing mental health. I'm a social worker who has no idea what he's doing. And uh, I don't know if you have a job for me, but I'd like one. And we talked for a while and she said, can you come back in a week? I'll come back whenever you want me to come back. I want you to meet with a guy called Mike Nasser. He was the vice president of student development. We had breakfast at 8 o'clock a week later, Wednesday to Wednesday. And he talked to him. I shared my heart. And he said, I don't know if you're interested in creative development counseling, but we just passed the budget on Thursday, the Thursday between, for a salary line for career development counseling. And I thought, well, I've just come from a psychiatric hospital. How hard can career development be? No one probably dies trying to figure out what they're going to do with their life at that point. So I thought, sure, why not? And uh, he goes, you can apply. We don't even have a job description. So I applied. And I almost didn't get the job, but I got the job. And my job, when I thought that I was called to be a pastor, that's what I was going to do. That's why I left Australia. And I had big dreams, big thoughts, big ideas of what being a pastor was going to be like. And, uh, and I thought if I took this career development job at a Bible college, then when the good church comes along that I want, I just won't give it to any of you people. I'll just take it. That was my theory. Literally, that was my theory. Because I'll just be here for a couple of years and then we'll move on. That's not what God had for, for these nets. It's not what God had for this boat. And... Uh, and now 18 years has gone by. And there's been something that then challenged through the years. God has moved me in different roles, in different places, in different positions. And, and now he's asking me to put up my boat. Because I'm going to lead you to something else. Which is hard. Because I'm going to be done. And I, I appreciate my friends who have come to hear me, my Last time on this desk. This is the scariest desk on campus, by the way. If you don't get to stand behind this, you know, 
I can do welcome week stuff. You guys all remember me from that. That's super easy for me. Doing this, this is more challenging. But I've been sharing a lot with people this idea of like, whoa, why are you leaving? Are you like burned out? I'm like, no. Because I've come up with this idea, and I don't even know if it's mine, because sometimes I steal things that I don't even know, but it just sounds good, and that's why I wonder if it is mine. But I like to say, and I've been telling people that burnout is love gone cold. Right? My love hasn't gone cold. I love this place. It's great. But my boat needs to be pulled up for something else. Now, what's interesting if you think about fishing and you think about nets is that when Jesus dies and gets resurrected, Peter's out there. If you go to, if you go to John 21, Peter's like, well, shoot, now what do we do? And he says, I think I'm going to go fishing. So he gets in a boat, and he goes fishing, and his buddies say, yeah, we're going to come too because we don't know what else to do. We just know how to fish. And they're fishing, John 21, and they're catching nothing. And then this guy on the beach yells out to him, put your net on the right side of the boat. Who's that yo-yo? Well, we're not catching anything over here. They throw it on the right side of the boat. What side of the boat? The right side of the boat. And then nets fill to break. Peter put, I don't know why Peter didn't have his clothes on. It says that then Peter put his clothes on and jumped in the water. I don't get that. Like, usually it goes the other way, right? <laughs> and then Peter grabbed his cell phone and his watch and he put it on and he jumped in the water. I'm like, why is it? Well, I don't get it. But anyway, it says he put his tunic on and he jumped in because he knew who was on the beach. He's seen this before. And as I leave this place, and I'll be around. You'll see me around. I'm going to do some stuff here next year a little bit. But I want to thank you for being the students who choose North Central and the role that I've get to play in your life. There's been many stories. I have my names written on the carpet under here with some other people's names when we prayed for this place and wrote on the ground. So many great memories. So much love for this place. And it has not gone cold. And I hope your love doesn't go cold either. But I want to always be fishing on the right side of the boat. And I hope you guys do too. Because if you're willing to be, put down what you're thinking, put out for Jesus, and put up, great things can happen. Pray with me. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity that you've given to us. For me, Lord, not in a selfish way, but what, a, what an amazing opportunity just to be able to share my heart in this space and this time with these students with those who have signed in online, wherever, wherever people are hearing the sound of my voice. God, I just pray that you would help us to have the right perception, that you would help us to have the right perspective so that we can be in the right position. God, let us not get sucked into the voices of this world who are distracting us from the left and the right. Let us be yielded to you, Lord, that when we see and when we find the treasure of great worth, that we would sell all that we have to purchase that field, to purchase that pearl, to sow seed in good soil, and that that seed grows, which takes time, and we can get frustrated, and it can put us out, but that it would produce a harvest beyond what we can ever think, dream, or imagine, because we're kingdom builders, called for your purpose, called to serve at your pleasure. 
to further the great work and the salvation that comes only through your Son, Jesus Christ. May you bless this community. May you pour out blessing over and over and over as you build fishermen and fisherwomen to bring in the harvest. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for coming, guys. It's 1140. Appreciate our worship team. I know I pulled you up, but then I got all kind of weird and emotional, so I had to kind of go there. But have a great rest of your day, guys. So take care.